I Could Murder a Cocktail, The Woman Who Fell from the Sky. Hello and welcome to I Could Murder a Cocktail. Today we're going to be covering The Woman Who Fell from the Sky and Didn't Roll Down a Mountain. And the cocktail we'll be drinking, which according to Ali has shit all to do with the uh, <laughs> what we're doing today. She just likes the taste. So listeners, don't try and guess the connection. There isn't one. Or make up a connection and let us know. The cocktail we're covering is Forbidden Fruits, which is made with blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, so fruit, uh, light rum, Bacardi specifically, lime juice, sugar syrup, and ginger beer. Full measurements of which will be uploaded to social media if we fancy giving it a try. Mm. Oh, so Anything with ginger beer. See, I hate ginger. Like, you all know this famously that I hate ginger. But ginger beer in a cocktail, there's something special about it. Especially like this, because I think without the ginger beer, you it might end up being a bit too sweet. Yeah. But I think that ginger beer just kind of cuts through it. So it's not as like, yeah, like sickly sweet. Oh, it is so delicious. I feel like if I had more berries, I would have like 12 of these blueberries they look so appetizing but i think they're gross (laughs) like i'd love to like blueberries because i think they look really nice and like when people put like blueberries on their porridge i'm like oh it looks so good but blueberries are actually just a bit minging they're so bland i think you're wrong but that's sweet i i know what you mean there's not a lot to them they kind of remind me a little bit of like some grapes is like there's not they're kind of just a bit <laughs> meh but only specific grapes yeah no grapes are delicious no you know sometimes you get different kinds of grapes oh it doesn't matter Black grapes, i like I, green grapes <laughs> I, I think you were just looking at blueberries <laughs> <laughs> have you seen yeah, how you know, small these grapes are <laughs> you know, these are people, disappointing like, grapes and molly's like i'll tell you for why <laughs> You're both assholes. Correct. I don't even have like a proper rebuttal, just you're both dicks. Mm-hmm. Wow, now you've called us two different body parts below the waist. That's really below the belt, Ellie. <laughs> <gasps> Brilliant. Okay, well, now you've both <laughs> now you've both done your weekly make fun of Ellie. Um I'm gonna tell you I like you. how you said just that and it stop now. Yeah. <laughs> you've done that so it can stop. Like no. It's only just starting, Ellie. <laughs> I'm always hopeful that I can just like, you can get it out of your systems and then we can just move on. But I, I'm <laughs> wishful thinking. Yeah. Okay. So Julianne was born, oh, just before I start, I took a lot of this from her autobiography, which is called When I Fell from the Sky. It was released in 2011. It is very good if anyone does want to read it. I mean, I didn't read the whole thing in a day. I skimmed it on Google Books, but it is very good. Um, so she was born in Lima in Peru in 1954. Her parents are German and they both worked for the Museum of Natural History. Um, so her father is the biologist Hans Wilhelm Hans Wilhelm how did I say it? Hans. No. Hans. Hans Wilhelm. Um, and her mother was the orphanologist Maria. 
uh, an orthonologist is somebody that studies birds if anyone's wondering i know that you're not saying their last names because you can't pronounce it but when you said like maria it seemed like she only went by maria like kylie like she was the orthonologist maria as if she was shit and that's all you needed to say <laughs> yeah that, i think it's important um that's that's the important bit um so just, where... just not being that bitch but isn't it or- ornithologist what did i say Ornithologist. Yeah, it is or- or- ornithologist. Now you made me look like a dick because I just copied what you were saying. <laughs> I th- so when you first said it, I thought you said orphanologist, like she studied small abandoned children. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then she um, would have one name. Ah, it's Maria. <laughs> <laughs> I was um I was I was trying to like lean back and be cool but um i can't i don't have my glasses on and i can't actually read from that far away so you are right connor so when julianne was 14 her parents decided to leave lima and establish a research uh, a research station sorry in the amazon rainforest um which is pretty cool when you're 14 your parents are going right we're taking you out of school we're uh, gonna move to the jungle is it cool though when I was 14, if my parents were like, we're going to buy you a new laptop, I'd be like, that's cool. They were like, we're moving to the Amazon. I'd be like, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> All right. Spoiled bitch. Um, Hardly. <laughs> the complete opposite. It's like, no, I don't want to move to the Amazon. <laughs> you could learn about bugs, Molly. I know they're your favorite things. Yes, I do love bugs. People called her a jungle child, which I quite like uh, the concept of. Um, she learnt loads of like survival techniques from her parents, um, but the authorities, like the educational authorities, didn't like the fact that she was living in the jungle. Um, so they made her go back to school and take all of her exams, so that she was going to be a whole person with exam results, not just a jungle baby. Right, so who made the do the people, the authorities in Peru? Yeah, that's so weird. Because so many people grow up in the Amazon. Yeah, Are but they? I think it's because well, there's loads of tribes that live in the Amazon. Yeah, but they kind of do their own thing, don't they? Yeah, I think that's, that, that's the thing. Right. I think yeah, it's because a... she was in like formal education and then like left, so it's not like she had never been part of it so i think once you're in the system they kind of want you to stay in the system better to have schooled and left than to have never schooled at all (laughs) um so in 1971 uh sorry december 1971 julianne graduated from high school uh so her mother wanted them to go back to the research station on like the 19th or the 20th of december but Julianne wanted to go to like the graduation ceremony, like the prom kind of thing, which was on the 23rd of December. So her mother agreed um, and they booked a flight on Christmas Eve. Obviously. She'd have missed it, prom then. No. So oh, no, 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 sorry. Like home. Home. Sorry. Yeah. Understood. Um, so obviously, because, yeah, you know, Christmas Eve, um, most of the flights were completely fully booked. 
Um, but they did find one flight that still had some seats. So, oh God, apologies to any like Spanish listeners. I'm going to butcher this. Linus Arias Nacionales Lanza. That's what, that's the abbreviation that we're using for the rest of this. Julian's father, like they'd spoken to him and said, oh, there's this one last flight that they've got some seats. Um, and he said, do not fly with them. They've got a really bad reputation. But they didn't listen. So they boarded the flight. It left uh, just before noon on Christmas Eve. It So the airplane, you know, obviously planes fly quite high. Uh, so it was flying about 6,400 meters, which is 21,000 feet for anyone that doesn't do metric system. Um, but it ran into thunderstorms and really severe turbulence. Apparently, this is there's evidence, I don't know where it's from, maybe the black box, but I'm not 100% sure. But there is evidence that the crew decided that despite the bad weather that they could see, they were going to continue the flight, allegedly because there was lots of pressure to meet the schedule for the holidays so that people could get home for Christmas. The plane was struck by lightning and actually broke up midair. Um, it completely disintegrated, well, I say completely partially disintegrated about two miles above the ground um which is that's got to be absolutely horrifying we all know i'm um, a bad flyer anyway i don't know why you decided to di- <sighs> <laughs> well i thought we're not gonna we're not gonna we can't go anywhere for ages moles by the time we can go yeah we i shan't be going anywhere i can't walk now all right that's a bit dramatic um so they discovered later when there was an investigation that what are you laughing at (laughs) mommy's dying over here she's terrified over here you're just carrying on talking i don't care that's her problem i just find it hilarious you calling me dramatic (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean i'm not dramatic in the slightest <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't even like not laugh at that that is ridiculous exactly <laughs> i'm very sorry molly you're not being a drama queen i promise to give you lots of drugs before we fly anywhere but you're not a good flyer either ellie <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm fucking so terrified of flying. So this is the worst audience to do this story for. I know. Bad flyers. <laughs> You've just cost the two of you so much extra money in having to pay for cruise ships every time. Oh, like shit! Am I going away. on a cruise ship? You have not laugh. Not a fucking Disney cruise. After the crash and the like, the inquiry, they dis- it was discovered that the plane had been completely assembled from spare parts of other planes. Ugh. Uh, no. Yeah. I like flying and that freaks me out. Yeah, I mean, just don't fly with a shitty airline and you'll probably be all right. Don't fly with a shitty airline. All I can afford is Ryanair. <laughs> then you... Uh, no, I was going to say something really horrible, Sorry. but I won't. <laughs> going to rephrase. To avoid litigation, all I can afford is an airline that rhymes with Brian Air. <laughs> Brian Air. <laughs> and Sleazy Jet. 
Yeah, that is horrifying though, isn't it? Like that they just had hodged a plane together. Yeah, I'm going to make it worse. Um, So this is a quote from Julianne directly. This is from her book. Um, So she said, Suddenly we entered into a very heavy, dark cloud. My mother was anxious, but I felt okay. I liked flying. Ten minutes later, it was obvious that something was very wrong. There was very heavy turbulence and plane was jumping up and down. Parcels and luggage were falling from the locker. There were gifts, flowers and Christmas cakes flying around the cabin. When we saw lightning around the plane, I was scared. My mother and I held hands, but we were unable to speak. Other passengers began to cry and weep and scream. After about 10 minutes, I saw a very bright light on the outer engine on the left. My mother said very calmly, that is the end. It's all over. Those were the last words I ever heard from her. The plane jumped down and went into a nosedive. It was pitch black and people were street were screaming. Then the deep roaring of the engines filled my head completely. Ugh, it, it's, yeah, it, it, this was a bit sad. I know, but it, I, th- I think this case is really interesting because I, I just think it's really interesting. Um, I've, this is one of the things, when we first talked about starting this podcast, and I have the notebook somewhere to prove it, I wrote this down as something that I wanted to cover because I've always thought it was really interesting. So Julianne ended up falling about, well, just over 9,000 feet, 9,843 feet to be exact. Um, she fell into the Amazon rainforest, still strapped to her seat, but Obviously, because I'm quoting her autobiography, she did survive that fall. Um, she suffered a broken collarbone. She had a gash in her one of her legs and her arm, one of her arms, and her right eye was swollen shut. She later said that she was pretty sure that being strapped into the aeroplane seat probably is what buffered the crash. Um, she said without being sort of strapped in she probably wouldn't have survived everyone wear your seatbelt on the airplane so she said her first priority was to find her mother they'd been sit- sat next to each other so she kind of assumed she must be somewhere nearby she couldn't find her mother um but she did find some sweets uh, at the wreckage site which she decided that she was going to keep hold of because they might be the only food she could find because she'd spent did they say that what time? Means? No, it didn't. Which I was um, quite sad about because I wanted to do one base. I wanted to do a cocktail based on the sweets, but mm. it just says sweets. Um, I'd be scrabbling around in the dirt for you know the wine cart as it came down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously she spent all that time, like year and a half, with her parents in their research station, which was actually only about thirty miles away from the crash site. Um, so she learned loads of stuff about the rainforest. She knew kind of what was dangerous and what wasn't. So she knew that there were lots of snakes in the Amazon, obviously. Um, but she also knew that they were often very camouflaged and could look like sort of dry leaves. So in the crash, she'd lost one of her shoes, but she decided to not just throw away the one that she had left. So she'd 
kept it on and used it to kind of test the leaves in front of her because if it was a snake then she could kind of move back rather than just like blindly walking into it um i feel like this this story is gonna is it's not it's not a fun story i'm really sorry guys when you said no crime i thought ooh, a cheery one nope (laughs) (laughs) it's not a crime and it'll also make you never want to go on holiday it's not fun uh but i'm gonna do it anyway and it, and it features yeah, a woman I just want to ruin a, your Thursday night. A shoe like people use rats with landmines. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> to put Ellie's quote of "It's not a very fun one" into the description, Con. <laughs> Don't bother listening if you ever want to fly again. <laughs> she said that she could actually hear planes overhead that were searching for the wreckage, but the forest was so dense that she couldn't see the planes and then obviously they couldn't see her. So she knew that she had to start moving because if she stayed where she was, she was probably going to die. So she actually remembered something that her father had told her. He had said to her, if you ever get lost, always follow water downstream. You should eventually find civilization. So she remembered that and set off. She was going for about four days when she heard like vultures flying around. She later said that this really freaked her out because she knew that the reason the vultures were around was because they were, you know, swarming over. I've written food and then in brackets I've put meat. She kind of, yeah, she knew that it was going to be bodies from the, the crash. So she said, I was paralyzed by panic. It was the first time I had seen a dead body. I thought my mother could be one of them. But when I touched the corpse with a stick, I saw that the woman's toenails were painted. My mother never polished her nails. I was immediately relieved, but then felt ashamed of that thought. It's really not a fun one. I'm sorry, guys. It's not a fun one. (laughs) I know. I am really sorry, but I just really wanted to talk about this because I think it's really interesting. You could have talked about it with a therapist. (laughs) <laughs> i don't see my therapist on thursdays yeah <sighs> like just i think it's so interesting like if the three of us were lot like if we had fallen out of a plane and we survived we would be like we'd be shit we wouldn't know how to survive did you know that well, you should track downstream we wouldn't have been shit if yeah but if we survive falling out of a plane would like how would you get out what, what would you do well, you know? this is kind of like a riddle because I'm not going to fall out of a plane when I'm not ever going to be in a plane again. <laughs> so it's a trick question. <laughs> it is a trick question. Part of the reason that I decided after I picked this cocktail that I had picked this cocktail was because, you know, she took sweets with her. Yeah. Doesn't this taste like a sweet? And I don't know what sweet, but it tastes like something. It kind of does, yeah. yeah. Somebody needs to figure it out. Because I really want to know. Oh how. no, I'll just have to have another one. <laughs> I thought that's 12 before we come back. <laughs> right, so listeners, remember to grab your shot for our one shot straight to the head. It's the most fun you'll have this hour. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome back to I Could Murder a Cocktail. Hope you've all brought a shot because I haven't, but I've got a fun idea, which I hope the girls will forgive me for if I do instead now. Oh, God. 
<laughs> I think Molly should take us through the one shot straight to the head, and then we'll each talk through our shots and give them a drink. Wow, okay. So my shot to the head is about uh, a man called Christopher Johns, who was in court for drug possession. Um, and he claimed that he'd been searched without a warrant, but the prosecutor said that the policeman didn't need a warrant because there was a bulge in his jacket that could have been a gun, so it was safer for the policeman to assume and, and search him. To this, Christopher said it wasn't a gun. That was obvious because when he searched, um, and that he was wearing the same jacket in court and that the judge could see for themselves. So he handed them the jacket, and as the judge was searching the jacket, found a baggie of cocaine in his pocket. <laughs> so he was there for drug possession, <laughs> and he also had drugs in his jacket, which he willingly handed over to the judge. The judge actually had to excuse themselves and call a recess for 10 minutes until they had gathered themselves to come <laughs> back to court. That that was my shot. That's brilliant. That is Ollie, just what are you like, thinking? And let's all be surprised. Tequila. What? Shot you is always need tequila. We all know. I love it. It's oh delicious. Ellie. Um, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit this week, and I have archers mainly because I thought it was vodka, but then I poured it, and it's not. And I don't have any shot glass at the moment because I broke my plastic one last week's podcast. So my proposal is that I just try and down my drink. I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy to watch you do that. <laughs> I'm very happy. I am all for that. I think. Also, before you do that, Connor, can I just ask, do you actually have the correct cocktail yeah. this week? You well, have not for the all second of half, but the first half I did. The first half you, you had well, all of the Well, that's better than nothing. <laughs> Be proud of you, Con. Yes, well Thank done, you. Connor. I just need a cocktail shaker now, so if we have any generous listeners who would like to start GoFundMe for my cocktail shaker. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers, everyone. To those who couldn't see that, I did that pretty phenomenally. Yeah, I'm quite jealous you couldn't see that, Elle. I could it was, hear the gulping. You know how when people run a marathon and in the last like 10 steps, they're just so proud of themselves? That's how Connor looked. <laughs> I could see it to the final gulp. <laughs> well done, Connor. Um, also, just, uh, does anyone else think that archers taste like yoghurt? No? no silence. I don't really know how to answer that. It just suddenly, it like as peach. I did, yeah. But as I did that shot, it just my brain just went yogurt. I don't, <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> your brain is on crack. <laughs> <laughs> this is your brain. This is your brain on crack. Just a picture of <laughs> Ellie. Tastes like yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it was it was very very strange. Anyway, now we've all laughed, I'm going to take everything down again because um, I like to ruin people's evenings. 
Notice how there was no disagreement from Connor and I. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Ruin it some more. I Hey, I do fun stories sometimes. Just today is not that day. And the Christmas one I did, that wasn't very fun. That's what you should put in the description, Con. Yeah. <laughs> so, Julianne carried on tracking downstream like she had been before the break. Um, so she actually tracked downstream for 10 days before realizing that she couldn't stand properly. Um, and she actually later said that she thought this was the point she was like hallucinating. She thought she was, that was it. Um, but she wasn't actually hallucinating because what she thought she saw was a boat. She wasn't hallucinating. There was actually a boat. There was nobody in the boat, but it was real. She saw, so it was like pulled up on the riverbank. It wasn't just like floating. That would have been creepy. So she saw next to the boat that there was like a path going into the jungle. So she thought, great, there's going to be people. So she followed it and she found like a little hut, which just had like a palm leaf roof. Um, But she found a litre of gasoline. She stayed there, but she did want to leave. But she didn't want to take the boat because she didn't want to steal. Which is like bless her no but no not bless her that's just silly yeah that is a bit like not bless her an empty boat your 10 days and all you've survived on is sweets no that's silly that's that's really silly i see i see i see something with a roof that'll protect me from the rain i'm going to have an illegal drink in it (laughs) (laughs) well she was obviously a nicer person than uh any of the three of us when we were the same age but that also doesn't take a lot of trying no it, it really <laughs> doesn't <laughs> the wound on her arm that i mentioned earlier this is a bit gross so um warning if you've got a weak stomach molly maybe stop listening so the wound on I her arm down to the entire drink yeah connor please don't throw up just get over it with ellie just say it <laughs> it was infested with maggots that were about a centimetre mm. long. Um, so she remembered that her dog had once had something similar and her father had put kerosene in it. So she used the gasoline that she'd found and poured it into her wound. She said that she pulled about 30 maggots out of the wound but was really weak from the pain. So she decided to spend the night sleeping next to this little hut. The no next way day, could she have lived 10 days on just a couple of sweets she found? Apparently. She must have eaten other stuff. Well, I, I, I have a feeling she, she didn't probably... want to write that in the autobiography. Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Guaranteed. Well, you couldn't survive 10 days on some sweets. That's why I'm the sick one. You're the one who brought it up. You've told this story. I'm just surmising. He's just telling the truth that you don't want to say. You can't handle the truth. Whatever. Uh, So the next day, she woke up and heard voices. She said it was like hearing the voices of angels. Um, So it was a couple of men that had found her. I'm assuming it was their boat. Um, So she said um, afterwards that... The men were alarmed and stopped talking. 
they thought that she was a kind of water goddess. Um, so in like the local legend, there was a water goddess who was a hybrid of a water dolphin and a blonde, white-skinned woman. So they naturally assumed that she was that water goddess. <laughs> Why? What part of her was dolphin looking? Did she have a snout? I don't fucking know. But you they... said they naturally assumed, like, like they naturally... They... <laughs> they saw a light-skinned blonde woman and thought, well, she must have dolphin parts. <laughs> to be fair, if you're in the middle of the jungle and then you suddenly see a random blonde girl, you get, like you might not automatically think, ah, oh, yes, a lost person. But I also wouldn't automatically think she must be half dolphin. Well, then you have strange brains because I would always go oh yes a dolphin woman (laughs) maybe that's just me so she said that she introduced herself to the men in Spanish and explained what had happened to her Uh, so they treated her wounds and gave her some food and then the next day took her back to civilization when I say civilization it was their village which was still in the middle of the jungle but then some local volunteer, well, a local volunteer who happened to be a pilot said, look, I'll fly you to like the big hospital nearby. Uh, So flew her there and she was reunited with her father. After obviously recovering from her injuries, she ended up assisting search parties in finding the crash site and recovering the bodies of victims. Her mother's body was discovered on the 12th of January, 1972. And it was discovered that her mother had actually survived the initial crash, just like she had. But she'd died from her injuries before anyone could find her, which is really sad. I know, it is just absolutely heartbreaking. She, you know, managed to kind of deal in whatever way that she could with what had happened um eventually moved to germany she studied biology and graduated in 1980 she got a doctorate uh, from the ludwig maximilian university of munich and then later returned to peru to conduct research in mammalogy specializing in bats um she published a thesis in 1987 and just kind of lived her life kind of dealing with what had happened um there is a film about her which i think we should all watch because it i've seen like parts of it and it is very good um it's called miracles still happen um but there's also loads of documentaries there's obviously her book that i mentioned earlier which is well, the parts i read fantastic um so in total the crash killed 91 people that killed all six of the crew members and 85 passengers. And it is known as the deadliest lightning strike disaster in history. Um, So I know I'm a bit late to this bit now, but you mentioned the whole thing about miracles do happen. Mm -hmm. This is where I find the whole concept of miracles weird. (laughs) Because I win the lottery and it's like, but not that I've done that. And it's like, wow, that's a miracle. But is that a miracle? Well, I don't know, but like... Because someone's got to win the lottery. Surviving, like, a lightning hit, a lightning strike hitting your plane in the middle of a storm and 85 people die in. 
I know she survived. Fantastic. But is that really but a she, miracle? Yeah, because she survived by her own merit. Because she like, decided yeah. to take the sweets with her. And she decided to pull the maggots out. Like, it wasn't a miracle that saved her. Who mm. remembering how to survive saved her. Guys, yeah. I didn't name the film. You know that, right? I know I'm old. No, I, I wasn't in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have to write to the person that named it then. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean, because if you say it's like a miracle, then it kind of takes away from what she did to... Because yeah. she... Yeah, she survived by remembering the things that had been taught to her. So remembering to go downstream because that's where civilization is um, and to yeah take food with her. And even the thing with the sandal and like tapping the ground before stepping, that's yeah. just like, that's, that's survival technique. It's not a miracle. It is kind of miraculous that out of 90, 91 people, she's the only one that survived. But it's not because like it was a miracle it's because she knew what she was doing and wasn't so injured that she couldn't move yeah um i'm just gonna end on some good news well i say good news i think it's good news so the um the company that had the plane that was made from all the shitty spare parts um lost its operating license 11 days after the crash so they are no longer permitted to fly or build aeroplanes. Which I think it's good. Yeah. Quite long. Yeah. Can you imagine being on one of the flights days after of that? Flying and going. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, that it does make sense. Only in that what it took her, it was about eleven days before she was rescued, wasn't it? So it does make sense that it took that long if they didn't know what had happened to it prior. But she said she heard planes looking for the. Wreckage. Wreckage. Yeah. They, they knew it must True. have gone down. Mm. Also, though, I would just like to point out that this did happen on Christmas Eve. So 11 days. Like, we all know what it's like, that post-Christmas slump of like, oh, I've got stuff to do, but I don't really feel like it. So, you know, 11 days, that's quite good. I work. like to think that like all the lawyers and the big politicians and decision makers were like, Oh, we could, but Elf is on ITV, so I think I'm just going to watch that. <laughs> and I've got a Toblerone I need to finish off, so... <laughs> that doesn't sound like how government does things at the moment. That is... It's probably quite accurate, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you want another lockdown, Boris? Um, no, I'm watching Love Actually. <laughs> Sorry if I ruined well, it. it was a bit sad. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Don't you think it's interesting, though? I don't know if it's interesting the word I would use. It's... Like, I'm glad I know about it now. And I think that's where it ends for me. Because I will never go to a hot country again. Yeah. Also, do you know what I actually just remembered? Um, You know that other plane... There was that big plane crash, wasn't there, that was, I'm pretty sure also in peru that was like the, the the rugby team and they oh the ones who ate each other yeah because that was in the andes it does the andes are in peru aren't they partly well they're yeah south america because that would have been about the same time it was like the 70s as well i'm sure mm. some shitty aircraft going around in uh 
South America in those days. Do you know what I hate people saying when I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not great at flying. Like I don't really enjoy flying, and people my are like, arms get really tired. Oh. <laughs> no, it's when people are like, oh well, planes are like so advanced they just basically fly themselves nowadays, and it's like, well, I don't feel reassured that this massive hunk of metal is flying itself. <laughs> Oh, brilliant! I'll just sit back and let an inanimate, inam, inanimate <laughs> object do the flying. Yeah, I'll just put my whole life in the hands of a bit of metal. Yeah, I mean, aeroplanes—they don't make sense. Like, how do they stay up? It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't understand it, and I don't like it. What makes wind? <laughs> I sent you the YouTube video. I did my best. Still doesn't make sense. Well, um, now I've terrified everyone to uh, yeah ever go on a plane. I, I do apologise, but I'm glad that now you all know if you're lost in the Amazon, you follow the river downstream and you'll find people. I think we need a joke, Con. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, Tell us I'm a joke. Just, I, I, had, I had some plane jokes and now I can't use them, so I'm just trying to <laughs> scramble. I was given haggis as an in-flight meal once. I've had bad food before, but that was plain awful. <laughs> Love it! <laughs> oh. And um, I've also I've also got my Florida man. <gasps> so I've yes! had to go back a day. Amazing! I've had to go back a day because um, February eleventh was quite distressing, and we could we couldn't use that two two stories in a row. So I've gone back a day to February tenth to Florida man arrested for throwing alligator through drive through window. <laughs> God. Florida. Like, you, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, thank you, Ali, for your... Um, Harrowing story. Yeah. Thanks for making me sad, I guess. It's, Sorry, it's, like, I it's just... like watching Marley and me, you know? I've, I've, I've sat through, I've enjoyed... Do I come out feeling good about myself? Not necessarily. <laughs> uh, that's like my, that's my whole that... vibe. That is actually Ellie's whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. Ellie takes you back to my emo phase. <laughs> There's no such thing as an emo phase. You either are an emo or you weren't. Emo for life. I'm joking. I'm not an emo anymore. Although I am wearing all black with black nails. It's fine. You you just time is money on this podcast, Ellie. I'm yeah, paying sorry. And you've just hit me with a you're neither an emo for life or you're not. Though but I'm, I'm not anymore. Not. <laughs> right, um, I guess that's a bye from me. <laughs> bye. Bye. Nice one. I could murder a cocktail is an independent podcast. Produced by Ellie Layden, Molly Dacey and Connor Hall. Researched by Ellie Layden and Molly Dacey and edited by Connor Hall.